This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get on to our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, so we will get into the Justin Fields matter in the QB1 segment in more detail because I think that is the talk of the town. Certainly on the radio on Monday morning on our show, Mullion Haw Show, predictably there were a mix of a mixture of opinions and yeah. range of, of reactions. But I want to study the offensive line here for a moment because – Cody Whitehair is the best player at the weakest position. And I don't know if I, how, how to feel about what they did in replacing him in the short term. Matt Eberflew said out for a while. Typically that says not for the season, he said, but it'd be a couple weeks. Lucas Patrick is going to be the left guard. Sam Mustafer remains at center. You don't have to be an offensive line guru to identify Sam Mustafer as the weak link right now. Why are they doing what they're doing now? Well, I, I guess the question would be, what would be the alternatives? To be honest with you, they don't have a lot of depth here. I think on a big picture level, uh, the Bears were in a situation where they were, were never going to have the depth to withstand a lot of injuries. They certainly were not going to have the depth to withstand injuries to their key players. So when you lose a guy like Jalen Johnson for a couple of weeks, when you lose a guy like Cody Whitehair, potentially for the rest of October and beyond, you've got to make some adjustments. I just don't know that there are a lot of simple, ready-made solutions here that make a lot of sense. So I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what some of your suggestions would be that, that would be alternatives to this. Okay, let me, let me play devil's advocate, or at least for the point of discussion. If I'm sitting in that offensive line, meeting room or the coaching staff and I'm it's Monday night and you're kind of okay guys what now I'm looking at my roster and I'm seeing a veteran with 10 years experience in Riley Reef. I know that I struggle protecting the passer I know that I have a guy that has barely played at all I wonder why I have to wonder if you have a problem why not come up with a creative solution now I'm not suggesting that Riley Reef a career tackle plays left guard, but I do wonder if you have some flexibility within your offensive line. If Lucas Patrick was signed to play center and he's playing left guard or right guard, what sense does that make? If Riley Reef is going to here, be here to be a right tackle and you think Larry Bourne might have a future inside, outside, it's a developmental type approach, why not try him at left guard, put it Riley Reef at right tackle and solidify your center position? Look, while we're trying options, why not try anything and everything? 
Well, to me, it feels like a lot of moving parts at a time where you're trying to make your starting quarterback as comfortable as he possibly can be. And you move a lot of parts around. Now you're experimenting with a lot of different things at once. And and, and that doesn't necessarily cater to comfort for a starting quarterback who obviously doesn't have a lot now anyway. I know you, you the counter argument would be how could it get much worse, but I think it could get worse. I think it could get a lot worse. I think you could have some guys playing out of position, be very uncomfortable after training for the last several months for a specific role and then having to, 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 to move somewhere where they haven't spent a lot of time. I remember talking to Kyle Long at length when they moved him right before the, the start of a season from guard to tackle and, and how many headaches he had just trying to make that adjustment on the fly and, 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 and just how anxiety producing that can be for a young guy who's still trying to find his, his footing at something that he's good at, right? Much less move him into something that he's not comfortable with. So I, I, I just, it's, it's a lot of moving parts at a time where I don't think they can afford it. At the same time, I just, I mean, and I, the, this supporting cast here is everything we thought it was going to be, right? It's not providing a lot of support, both up front and in the receiving core. And the results are the results. I, I, I think when you zoom out and, and think about all the things that we talked about for months leading into the season, you see a lot of those things coming to fruition, albeit a little bit uglier in some circumstances than we expected it to be. But boy, I, you know, it's just it's a bit of a mess that may not be capable of being cleaned up in 2022. Everything you said is sensible. It's always been somewhat of a pet peeve of mine when I cover teams, whether it's the Bears or any other team in Chicago. But there seems to be this this uh, uh, preoccupation with embracing continuity. And continuity is why you can't make changes. In this case, continuity is pretty mediocre or worse. You're not protecting the passer. Six sacks in, uh, in 34 pass plays that were called from the sidelines. I don't know if there's much risk uh, that outweighs the potential reward here. But I, I, I know what you're saying. You, you do have to err on the side of caution when you're talking about Justin Fields and his protection because I think that you, know, you can't get too crazy. And what I suggested maybe, the, maybe uh, a, a conservative coaching staff would you know, classify as a little bit uh, crazy and not something you want to do ideally during the season. Well, also remember this, that the Bears signed Riley Reef on the eve of training camp with uh, plenty of urgency, right, to get him to to try to come in and compete and win one of those starting tackle jobs, and he didn't do it, right? And so they saw things during the summer and during training camp and during some of the preseason game action that left them more comfortable with a, a fifth-round draft pick out of Southern Utah at left tackle and Larry Borum on the right side. And, and, and so you say, okay, you know, Riley Reef is not, you know, some – perennial all pro moving in to, to shore up a position there. Um, look, they got to find answers, right? And, it, and it, it's a team effort to find answers. You you look through that game video from Sunday afternoon. They used a lot of help, justifiably so, from from their running back and their tight ends to help with the pass protection. And and sometimes it still wasn't enough with some of the pressures that the Giants got home with. And so you, you got to find ways to uh, get your quarterback to feel comfortable behind that offensive line. And until he does, it's going to lead to avoidable mistakes that stem from a lack of comfort. We'll talk about some of those mistakes and the rapport he is establishing or not establishing with his receiving core in the QB1 segment, Dan. But let's go across the side of the ball to defense. Matt Eberflew spoke on Monday about the difficulty the Bears had, not only in stopping the run, but stopping Daniel Jones in the way that he hid the ball, his play fakes, and his ability to get to the edge and break contain. And Iberflus identified three different situations when that happened and three different defenses the Bears were in. 
And I thought that was interesting because it wasn't just one guy. They weren't picking on just one spot. They found him in three different situations and they did the same thing and the same mistake was made. So I, I look at the Bears inability to stop the run and they're giving up 183 <laughs> yards per game, a historic pace. If this continues, they would be the third worst rushing defense in NFL history. Ooh. Dan, how do you address this in real time in the context of getting ready for a Vikings team full of weapons who will run, run the ball down your throat gladly as well as the, the, uh, the Giants did? How big of a crisis do you think this is for the Bears and how are they viewing and addressing this? Well, what bothered me most on Monday morning and Monday afternoon and going back through some of the rewatch as well is that the Bears knew there was only one way that the Giants could beat them Sunday. The Giants were so depleted in their receiving core. They hadn't done really a whole lot at all through the first month of the season and the passing attack. And so you said, hey, we've got to load up to try to stop Saquon Barkley, right? And they, and they, they, they did. They loaded up and they tried and they didn't stop him. And then because of that, they over-pursued at times and they left Daniel Jones there to, to run wild in the first half again for 49 yards and two touchdowns before halftime and you say man this was a a golden opportunity to kind of have your way with a one-dimensional opponent and you couldn't do it right and so that's troubling when you then fast forward as you just did to a game against the vikings where you know you've got to account for justin jefferson you know you've got to account for dalvin cook if not dalvin cook alexander madison and so you're going to be tested in a lot of different ways by a running game and a receiving core and a bright offensive-minded play caller that that is going to put you in in positions of stress and and if you couldn't stand up to the challenge uh, Sunday in New Jersey. What are we to, to think that you're going to suddenly stand up at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis this weekend? Tell me if this is an overreaction. So I watch what happened on Sunday, and I see the Bears get gouged on the ground. Frankly, again, they've been in four games this season, and I think it's been way too easy to move the ball on the ground. And I think to myself, while there will be – clamoring for playmakers, clamoring for weapons. And the NFL draft and free agency will be where, you know, all, every pundit will want the Bears to spend, spend, spend for the flashy wide receiver. I want to build and I want to rebuild the Bears. If I'm Ryan Poles, I want to start from the ball on out. I have seen, number one, lack of pass protection be a problem yesterday and all season long, stunt the growth of my franchise quarterback. And number two, the inability to stop the run and get off the field so my quarterback can do something without feeling like he's desperate and has to make a big play all the time. So I may look at the draft and free agency as the way they approached it from the get-go. Larry Ogunjobi was priority one for Ryan Poles, and I think that's a good priority to go into next offseason, even though we're only four games into this year. And that may change, but I doubt that priority list will shift for me. Yeah, and you wonder what would have happened if they had just gone through with the initial deal for Larry Ogunjobi and how much he might have been able to help and, and and what would have happened with that situation had he been able to join this defense. They're going to have so many needs going into the offseason of 2023. It's it's staggering right now, and I think it's it th- this loss on Sunday as, as someone who covers the team on a daily basis kind of kind of hit in the gut a little more than maybe I expected it to because you look at the calendar and you say, God, it's October 3rd and the whole world is fast forwarding to the 2023 draft and the, and the 2023 free agency bonanza, right? Like this is what we knew was coming, but for whatever reason, you had that 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 spike of energy in August. You had a, a undefeated preseason. You had the surprise win over the, the 49ers. You had the, the, the late 
heroics to beat the Texans and you kind of stiff armed reality for an extended period of time. And then reality came and punched you in the mouth on Sunday against a, a ordinary uh, opponent with, with, moderate talent that was obviously injury depleted and undermanned across the board and you got beat and you got beat pretty soundly because you couldn't do things that are basic to the game of football like visit the end zone one time on offense and stop the run on defense and so here we are david we're staring you know at at three more months and 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 14 more games of having similar conversations right of of saying oh what are the biggest uh weaknesses and and look like we always said that 2022 was going to be about identifying the building blocks hopefully having a few young players emerge as guys you say that those are guys we can build around well we need to see more of it right like and all the celebration of of the draft class in in august you know like we need to see more flashes from guys that are supposed to be here long term uh it, it's worrisome that that we might be in a rut for a little while here with with this team and and, and having to wait until those spring months of, of 2023 for answers and let's face it in chicago sports october historically <laughs> a heartbreaking month so this is maybe just the beginning, although the schedule does agree with the Bears. They have a tough challenge against the Vikings, and then things soften up a little bit. I want to ask you two things about Matt Eberflus, the first being how he just reacted to the loss and some of the questions, and and second-guessing. I I think that he is somebody that increasingly comes across as very comfortable, very confident, not cocky necessarily, believes in his plan, and understands how immense the task is in front of him. And I felt like he answered questions the day after – you know, a loss that was a game they could have won without being real defensive. And and I guess as transparent as he could be with everything except for injuries. And I understand that, but how would you describe Matt Eberflus a day after a loss? Well, one of the things that the leadership at the top of House Hall really liked about Matt Eberflus is his steadiness, right? And that's been apparent here after the two losses that they've had to the Packers and then obviously one that was a little bit more dispiriting, in my opinion, to the Giants on Sunday afternoon. And so Matt's steadiness is going to be something that they they lean on, right, as, as a little bit of a buoy when when the things get a little bit choppy. And and we'll see where they go with it, right? I, I, it, it's one thing to be steady. It's another thing to be able to um, – coach results into a team that they may not have the manpower to do all the things that you're asking them to do. And that's the fear here, right? Is that if you don't have the talent and you don't have the depth and you don't have the the firepower to compete with even the middle tier teams in this league on a regular basis, it's going to make for some long Sundays, which then make for some long Mondays through Saturdays. Right. And, and so that that's going to be the huge challenge for Matt Eberflus is, is using that, that steadiness to get guys back, uh, recalibrated every week after tough losses to, to be able to, to lift them back up. Uh, I did think he was candid uh, on Monday afternoon with his, his review of a lot of things that, that needed to be asked. And, and hopefully there'll be a few weeks where the questions are overwhelmingly positive on a Monday, right? I, as someone who's been on the beat for 10 years, I would love a few more of those just for, just for a, a change of pace, right? On, on Mondays at Alice Hall. So let's see if they can make that happen. I particularly enjoyed when it was brought up what happened on the Justin Fields fumble. A lot of people thought like I was watching and maybe in the press box too, Dan, that thought initially looked like an incompletion. The arm was moving forward and you have seen that called an incompletion in the past. I think sometimes it depends who the quarterback is and how, how likely you are to get that call or not. It was a fumble and it was a fumble much to the surprise of some Bears offensive linemen who – I don't want to say drew the ire, but certainly got the attention on tape when the Bears were reviewing it. And this is what Matt Eberflus had to say about that. 
It's a little bit harder because, you know, and again, all those guys got loafs on that play, you know, uh, just so we know that. But uh, the linemen, the linemen that were right there and then you know, the receiver that was there. So I think that, um, you know, that one's a little harder because it's coming from behind them. You know, typically when you have a fumble, if I'm a defender and I got, uh, you know, we're punching the ball, we're all pursuing the ball. You can see that ball. It's like when we, like when Blackwell caused that fumble, you know, then Jalen was right there and it was squirting out, then he, he got it. Well, everybody can see it. You know, that's a little harder. It's like, hey, I'm pass pro and all of a sudden this thing drops out of the sky, you know, over my head. You know, and then then it's there. You know, so I think Cody was caught off guard. You know, as all the linemen were, but we just had to be ready for it and and jump on it and have some reaction there. The butternut loaf of the day <laughs> brought to you by brought to you by the Take the North podcast, right? I mean that that that, that there's uh, you know an interesting balance in Matt Eberflus's uh, assessment of that sequence. There, I think obviously he's made it very clear to his offense, his offensive linemen, everybody in that in that room that that's not going to be condoned that you have to be on that at the same time there was a little bit of sympathy there saying look it was an odd play it was an odd sequence i understand why you didn't act with the urgency you need to but you need to react with that urgency over time david as as when when they altered the rules so that you know turnovers and scoring plays were automatically reviewed the officials were instructed to let plays like that go right if it's if it's a if it's a loose ball and it's recovered for a fumble they'll automatically send it up to the booth and if it was actually an incomplete pass you're going to get the ball back and so players need to know that right you've got to hear a whistle you've got to do what you do in practice and go after every single ball that's on the ground until you know that it's not live and they didn't do that and again it was a turnover that took the bears out of a scoring opportunity and then created a 75 yard touchdown drive the other way for the giants that swung the game right and and this is this is football in the nfl and so equinemius st brown a loaf cody white here a loaf tevin jenkins a loaf larry borum a loaf a lot of loafs given out today I love that because the penalties, if you will, the punishment, as he described, the loaf, as you're grading the film, have purpose. It's not just, hey, I'm in charge and this is the way to do things. It's You can learn from this. Next time it happens, you will be more aware that if the ball is on the ground, you go after it regardless uh, if even if the whistle blows, you never know in today's NFL. So I think that was a good lesson, uh, a humorous moment. And certainly we did not go the Bears way in that case. But next time, maybe they learn from it. And you referenced uh, on our postgame pod what happened when the Bears famously didn't. And it was the Chris Conti game and all that happened with the Packers. And we don't need to revisit that. But you can have bad results when you don't do what Matt Eberflus wants them to do. Don't forget also, David, that in our pregame podcast before this game we talked about the fumbles last week that the bears didn't recover three of them against the texans including one that was forced by the offense after a justin fields interception that cole Komet jarred loose and they weren't urgent enough on getting on that ball so it was talked about last week and then in a moment of truth it, it, it didn't come to fruition for the bears to get on a loose football the way they could have and it cost them and and, and that's what's going to happen to a team like this you, 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 the the errors you make are going to seem three times as costly as they might to a team like the chiefs or the buccaneers or any of the other Bills top-tier teams in the league that can can withstand that a little bit with some magic. 